Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Devos with D. I'm Pastor D, and I'm from the Heights Church. And if you're listening to me on Spotify, or if you're watching me on YouTube or Facebook, I want you to know I'm very glad that you're here, that you're joining me for this study, and I believe that we're going to get some good things out of this. I believe that there are some things that God wants us to learn, and we're going to learn them tonight. Also, I just wanted to share something from my heart. Um, I feel an urgency. And you may say, Pastor D, what do you feel an urgency about? As I study the book of Revelation, as I read through these chapters, I feel a sense of urgency to tell people about Jesus and to get my life online, if it isn't, if there are areas of my life that are off tangent, to get online with the, the principles and the precepts that Jesus taught us. I also feel that God is waving us off. You say, what? God's trying to get rid of us? No, that's not what I mean. Let me give you an example. If you are a pilot on a naval carrier, you have a certain area in which you have to land in. And it's a very short runway. On that runway, there's someone called an LSO. They're the safety officer, the landing safety officer. And if you're coming in and things aren't right, there's debris on the landing strip, they will use what's called paddles. And, and actually, that's their nickname, paddles. They will use something called paddles to wave you off, to cause you to go around again and attempt a landing. I believe that God is waving us off of sin. And he's telling us, get ready that you need to make sure that you've landed in that secure place in Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to share that with you. And now let's get into the lesson. I'm going to give you an overview of Revelation chapter 7. And then I am going to touch a little bit on Revelation chapter 14, but I'm not going to necessarily give you an overview. We will be reading a few verses from there. So let's look at the overview in Revelation 7. Here we go. Here, John sees a vision, and he saw this vision after the opening of the sixth seal. And it's before the sound of the seven trumpets. It shows here in this chapter, even in the midst of God's wrath, mercy is present. It also indicates assurance and comfort for those who are faithful. Let's read Revelations chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 in the NIV and then Revelations chapter 14 verses 1 through 5 in the NIV. Are you ready to read with me? If you don't have a Bible present, I'm sure that the verses will be up on the screen. Let's start with Revelation chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on the trees. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants 
of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all of the tribes of Israel. Now Revelation 14 verses 1 through 5. Then I looked and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like a roar of rushing waters and a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and to the lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. So let's look further into our specific mystery. And it's the 144,000 that was spoken of in Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. Since I was a child, I've just heard that number constantly. And I've heard people give their theories and their interpretations of what that could be. So I'm going to give you a broad sweep, a broad overview, and then you're going to have to decide what you believe about those 144,000. First, let's look at what the scripture says about the 144,000. I'm going to extract different points from the scripture specifically that speaks of the 144,000. The first thing is that their foreheads were sealed by an angel. God and Jesus' name were written on their foreheads. So sealing indicates or has something to do with protecting and setting aside for a special use. The last two to be sealed or set aside and given the final stamp of approval may be the two witnesses who die three and a half days before Christ returns. And remember, we talked about the, the two witnesses in a previous study. The second thing is that these 144,000 are third servants of God. They're undefiled, they're blameless, they're celibate and without guile. And they are from the 12 tribes of Israel. So let's look further because they list out how many from each tribe. And I didn't read that, but I want to speak to that. The tribe of Dan is missing in that list of the 12 tribes. Maybe that tribe of Dan became extinct or was annihilated. And the tribe of Ephraim is renamed. The tribe of Joseph is another name for the tribe of e Ephraim. Jacob's adoption of his two grandsons, Manasseh and Ephraim, elevated them to a position that was equal to their 11 uncles. The actual number of tribes leaving Egypt totaled 
13. So 12,000 came from each of the tribes. They stand in Mount Zion with the Lamb. And they have a song no one else can sing. They're considered first fruits. And I just want to look a little bit at first fruits. Could first fruits be part of the first resurrection? Is it the first fruits that are to be harvested for the kingdom? Are they the first fruits of martyrdom? In an article on BibleTools.org, it said this. Some contend that there are two groups of the 144,000, one in Revelation 14 and one in Revelation 7. Apparently, the idea is that the ones in chapter 7 are physical Israelites, that they are the seed of the physical government for the millennium. And the 144,000 in chapter 14 are the bride, the first fruits, and the elect of God. So we don't know for sure, but I want to look at first fruits a little further. I want to dig a little deeper into first fruits. And first, I want to look at what the Old Testament says about first fruits. It says this in the Old Testament the first sheaf of grain, and a sheaf is equal to an omer or four dry pints. This first sheaf, uh, sheaf of grain is to be offered to the Lord and is waved before him by the priests, expressing gratitude to God and acknowledging that he is the owner and the giver of all things. A lamb is also sacrificed as a burnt offering. During the Feast of First Fruits, which is one of the seven major Jewish festivals, the best of the barley crop was offered to the Lord in thankfulness and in faith that he would grant the rest of the harvest to be bountiful and it would be reaped bountifully. It was a shadow of the coming of the Messiah. Jesus rose from the dead on the day after the Passover Sabbath. It was the day of the feast of first fruits. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, the first to rise and never to die again. What he did ensured a way for us to come into the kingdom. Hallelujah, I'm so glad for that because we certainly couldn't have done it. So I would like to look a little further at those seals. It talked about they were sealed. What could have been the purpose of the seals? What does scripture say about the seals? Let me share a couple of things. The first is to certify, a seal would certify the authenticity of a document or a transaction as shown in Jeremiah 32 is to prevent tampering or change in Daniel 6.17. It's to show approval and ownership in John 6. And lastly, it's to act as a lock to secure property or secrets. So all of these purposes that I just shared apply to the 144,000. 
What do scholars say about the 144,000? We looked at directly extracts from scripture. Now, what do scholars say about that? In chapter 7, before the tribulation, these 144,000 are sealed. But the angels hold back the four winds. And so why the delay there? Possibly the final generation needs to be aware that God's wrath is past due. Time has been given before its release, which gives credence to the enormity of events in chapter 8. God's patience with sin and sinners expires before the 144,000 are sealed. That's why the four angels are told to wait a minute. Interesting. Chapter 14, the 144,000 are standing with God in heaven. Both the number and the descriptive terms are probably symbolic, illustrating the blessedness of the promise for those who will persevere in their faithfulness to God. So God takes a remnant and puts them in reserve. They will be the first, people believe, these are scholars now, they will be the first of the Jewish race to be converted to Jesus Christ, or they are the first in the latter-day harvest. They are separated to a special calling, protected, can't be harmed, sort of sounds like the two witnesses, prepared against all conflicts. Their forehead is sealed, and that seal is there to show friend and foe who they belong to. They will preach the gospel around the world is the supposition. Listen to this quote from Dr. Billy Graham. He said, if God does not do something soon about the degeneracy of the United States and places around the world, he will owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Let's look further into what scholars are saying about chapter 7. And I want to share some things about the tribe of Levi. Because the tribe of Levi, this is the only time in the Bible where they are numbered as one of the 12 tribes after Moses' death. Let me say that again. Remember that list that I told you where they're telling you how many came from each tribe. This is the only time in the Bible where they are numbered as one of the 12 tribes after Moses' death. The tribe of Levi is not exalted above, above other tribes as in ancient days. Today, no one knows the identity or the whereabouts of the 12 tribes. Hmm, could God be holding that in secret? Not telling us about that? Because he has that reserved for something special? So listen to this from Larry Wilson with his Wake Up America Bible study. He says, this is what may happen after the 144,000. After the 144,000 are sealed, the four winds of God's wrath will be released and the great tribulation will begin. According to the specifications of the fourth seal, the casualties will be 25% of the earth's population. 
Jesus will initiate the great tribulation with sudden and overwhelming destruction. I tell you, these kinds of things, when I hear all of this stuff, it shakes me up. So I don't want to be here when that happens. Or if I am here, I want to be sealed in Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost. There are, just like there are a lot of really good interpretations and theories and suppositions, there are some false or misinterpretations of these scriptures. Some believe that there's a limit to those who will reign with Christ in heaven and eternity, and they call it the heavenly hope. Others have what's called an earthly hope, a paradise on earth, which is ruled by Christ and the 144,000. And they use these scriptures, they use 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and Revelations 21, 3 to try and prove that. But really it's a misinterpretation of scripture. And let me tell you why. The Bible clearly, the Bible clearly does not place any numerical limit on the number of people who are going to heaven. And then there seems to be a mix-up of the millennium and eternity. The millennium is different from the eternal state or eternity at the end of the millennial period. Those are two different things. They're not the same. So remember, I told you I study a lot of different things when I'm studying for or preparing for a lesson. And I want to share with you a uh, religious sect and what their belief is about the 144,000. Because they've been, over the years, very vocal about the 144,000. And this is Jehovah Witnesses. They believe that the 144,000 are all Jehovah Witness. And only 144,000 of Jehovah Witnesses will go to heaven. They also only allow the 144,000 to partake of the bread and wine while 19 million other supporters watch. The 19 million supposedly have no direct relationship with Jesus. And later when their group, their sect, uh, kind of blossomed, I would say, to over the 144,000, they had to form two new classes of how things were going to be in the future. They said that there was going to be a heavenly and an earthly class. And remember, I just talked about that, a heavenly and an earthly view. And this is when uh, member numbers exceeded 144,000, and I already mentioned that. That's why they came up with these two classes. And remember, I said the, the, the earthly is that there's going to be a paradise on earth. And then only so many are going to have that heavenly hope where they're reigning in heaven and eternity with Jesus Christ. Again, that's a misinterpretation. So what are my thoughts? Because, boy, do I have a lot of them. But I'm only going to share four of my thoughts with you. The first one is those who love and serve God will never be left behind. You know, there was a book written called Left Behind. Those who love God are not going to be left behind. He will provide their needs and wipe away every tear. The second thing is, every judgment is subject to God's permission. So what's happening, the angels aren't just running amok. They're being sent from the throne. So God is controlling what's going on. 
God's name will be on the foreheads of all of the faithful. You know, I don't have any tattoos and I've always thought of getting one, but, you know, I sort of thought, mm, maybe I don't need, really need that. And I don't have anything against people who decide to get a tattoo because I still may get one. But I want that mark on my forehead. I want God's name on my forehead. I will love that. I want that. I crave that. The fourth thing is church age believers are being addressed by Christ. We are being asked to pay attention and to know what's ahead. That's why we need to read the book of Revelation so that we're not taken by surprise. God doesn't want us, you know, not knowing what's happening. That's why he put it in the book. It's here for us. It's a manual. It's like a recipe book. It's telling us exactly in Revelation how things are going to be laid out. And I don't know the chronological order, as I've said before, but God is sharing things. He's revealing things to us and we need to pay attention. I'm going to share this final quote with you and then I'm done. And this is Dr. Billy Graham. He says, my home is in heaven. I'm just traveling through this world. And I think we need to keep that in mind. That there is something else. This isn't the last stop. That's why we need to be aware of revelation. That's why God is waving us off of sin. He wants us to come home and be with him and fellowship with him all the rest of the days of our life in eternity. I want that. Well, people of God, I love you. This was a good, these chapters 7 and 14 were really good. And it'll take some of that mystery off of the 144,000. So God bless you as you continue to study the book of Revelation, and I will see you in the next Bible study. So let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your revealing things that we need to know. And I thank you that you're not keeping us in the dark. We just love you, God. Continue to be with us as we go through each and every one of our days. Encourage us as we study your book. And Lord, we just love you and adore you. We just give you thanks and praise for your son, Jesus Christ, because he is our deliverer, he's our redeemer, and he is the one through whom that we're going to have that eternity with you. So we just thank you tonight, and Lord, bless us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.